Book One, Chapter Ten of The Mermaid. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Mermaid by Lily Dougal. Book One, Chapter Ten. Toad by the Beard. Every morning, Caius still took his early way along the shore. But on all these walks he found himself alone in possession of the strand and the vast blue of sea and sky It was disappointing yet the place itself exercised a greater and greater charm over him He abstained from fooling away his days by the sea After his one morning walk he refused himself the luxury of being seen there again filling his time with work He felt that the lady of the lovely face would despise him if he spent his time absurdly Thus some days passed and then there came a night when he left a bed on which he had tossed wakefully and Went in the hot August night to the side of the sea when no one knew that he went or came The air was exceedingly warm the harvest moon in the zenith was flooding the world with unclouded light The tide was ebbing and therefore there was in the channel that swift dangerous current sweeping out to sea of which he had once experienced the strength Caius who associated his sea visitant only with the sunlight and the incoming tide did not expect to see her now Frequent disappointment had bred the absence of hope He stood on the shore looking at the current in which he had so nearly perished as a boy It was glittering with white moon rays He thought of himself of the check and twisting which his motives and ideas had lately received and as he thought how slight a thing had done it how mysterious and impossible a thing it was His mind became stunned and he faced the breeze and simply lived in the sweetness of the hour like an animal Conscious not of itself, but only of what is external without past or future And now he heard a little crooning song from the waters No words no tune that could be called a tune it reminded him more of a baby's toneless cooing of joy and yet it had a rhythm to it too and both joy and pathos in its cadence Across the bright path of the moon's reflection he saw her come Her head and neck were crowned and garlanded with shining weed as if for a festival and She stretched out her white arms to him and beckoned to him and laughed He heard her soft infant-like laughter Tonight her beckoning was like a breeze to a leaf that is ready to fall Caius ceased to think he only acted he threw his cap and coat and boots on the shore The sea child gazing in surprise began to recede quickly Caius ran into the water he projected himself toward the mermaid and swam with all the speed of which he was capable The salt in his eyes at first obscured his vision when he could look about the sea child had gone out of the track of the moonlight and Taking advantage of the current was moving rapidly out to sea He too swam with the current he saw her curly dark head as a dog's in the water Her face was turned from him and there was evident movement in her body For the first time he thought he perceived that she was swimming with arms and feet as a woman must swim as for Caius he made all the effort that in him lay and as she receded past the line of the island right out into the moonlit sea 
he swam madly after her reckless of the fact that his swimming power gave him no assurance of being able to return reckless of everything except the one welcome fact that he was gaining on the sea child a fear oppressed him that perhaps this apparent effort of hers and her slow motion were only a ruse to lead him on and at any moment she might dart from him or sink into her familiar depths but this fear he did not heed as long as she remained in sight and yes across the surface of the warm moonlit water he was slowly but surely gaining upon her on he swam making strenuous effort at speed he was growing exhausted with the unaccustomed exercise he knew that his strength would not hold out much longer he hardly knew what he hoped or dreamed would come to pass when he overtook the sea maiden and yet he swam for dear love which was more to him than dear life and panting he came close to her the sea maid turned about and her face flashed suddenly upon him bright in the moonlight she put out a glistening arm perhaps in human feebleness to ward him off perhaps in the strength of some unknown means of defence to warn him that at his peril he approached her caius reckless of everything grasped the white wrist and stopping his motion knowing he could not lie mermaid fashion with head reared in the water he turned on his back to float still holding the small hand in his he held it and retained his consciousness long enough to know from that time forth that the hand had actually been in his a living struggling hand not cold but warm he felt too in that wonderful power which we have in extreme moments of noting detail that the hand had a ring upon it it was the left hand and he thought it was a plain gold ring but it did not occur to him to think of a wedding ring then he knew that this dear hand that he had captured was working him woe for by it he was drawn beneath the water even then he did not let her go but still holding the hand struck out to regain the surface in one of those wild struggles to which inexpert swimmers resort when they feel the deep receiving them into itself it would have been better for him if he had let her go for in that vehement struggle he felt the evidence of the sea maid's power he remembered his last thought as he lost consciousness that with the fishy nature is sometimes given the power to stun an enemy by an electric shock some shock came upon him with force as if some cold metal had struck him on the head as his brain grew dull he heard the water gurgling over him how long he remained stunned he did not know he felt the water rushing about his head again he felt that he had been drowned and he knew too in that foolish way in which the half-awakened brain knows the supposed certainties of dreams that the white hand that he had essayed to hold had grasped his beard firmly under his chin and that thus holding his head above the surface of the water she was towing him away to unknown regions then he seemed to know nothing again and again he opened his eyes to find himself lying on a beach in the moonlight and the sea maid's face was bending over his he saw it distinctly all tender human solicitude written on the moonlit lineaments as his eyes opened more her face receded she was gone and he gazed vacantly at the sky then realizing his consciousness more clearly he sat up suddenly to see where she had gone it seemed to him that 
like a kind enchantress she had transformed herself to break his passion yes he saw her as he had so often curiously longed to see her moving over the dry shore she was going back to her sea but it was a strange monstrous thing he saw from her gleaming neck down to the ground was dank shapeless form so a walrus or huge seal might appear could it totter about erect upon low fin-like feet there was no grace of shape no tapering tail no shiny scales only an appearance of horrid quivering on the skin that here and there seemed glossy in the moonlight he saw her make her way toilsomely awkwardly over the shingle of the beach and when she reached the shining water it was at first so shallow that she seemed to wade in it like a land animal then when the water was deep enough to rise up well around her she turned to him once more a quick glance over her shoulder such relief came with the sight of her face after this monstrous vision that he saw the face flash on him as a sword might flash out of darkness when light catches its blade then she was gone and he saw the form of her head in the water while she swam swiftly across the silver track of the moonbeams and out into the darkness beyond Caius looked around him with senses still drowsy and head aching sorely He was in no fairy region that might be the home of mermaids But on the bit of beach from which he had launched himself into the water His coat and hat lay near him and just above the spot where he lay was the rude epitaph of baby day Carved by his own boyish hand so long ago Caius put his hand to his head and found it badly bruised on one side his heart was bruised too partly by the sight of the monstrous body of the lovely sea child partly by the fresh experience of his own weakness and incapacity it was long before he dragged himself home it seemed to him to be days before he recovered from the weariness of that secret adventure and he bore the mark of the bruise on his head for many a day the mermaid he never saw again end of book 1 Chapter 10